Act One of The Old Debauchees by Henry Fielding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae. Narrator, read by Lucy Perry. Old Laroon, read by Noel Badrian. Young Laroon, read by Chris Marcellus. Father Martin. Read by Nathaniel W. C. Higgins. Old Jordan. Read by Kevin Green. Isabel. Read by Ariel Lipshaw. Beatrice. Read by Michelle Eaton. Servant. Priest. Read by Elizabeth Clatt. Prologue. Spoken by Mr. William Mills. I wish with all my heart the stage in town would both agree to cry all prologues down that we, no more obliged to say or sing, might drop this useless, necessary thing. No more with awkward struts before the curtain chant out some rhymes there's neither good nor hurt in. What is this stuff the poets make us deal in, but some old worn-out jokes of their retailing, from sages of our own, or former times, transversed from prose, perhaps transposed from rhymes? How long the tragic muse her station kept, how guilt was humbled, and how tyrants wept, forgetting still how often hearers slept. Perhaps, for change, you now and then, by fits, are told that critics are the bane of wits, how they turn vampires, being dead and damned, and with the blood of living bards are crammed, that poets thus tormented die, and then the devil gets in them, and they suck again. Thus modern bards, like bays, their prologues frame, For this and that and every play the same, Which you most justly neither praise nor blame. As something must be spoke, no matter what, No friends are now by prologues lost or got, By such harangues we raise nor spleen nor pity. Thus ends this idle but important ditty. The Old Debauchees Act One, Scene One, Scene. Mr. Jordan's, Isabel, Beatrice. A nunnery, <laughs> and is it possible, my dear Beatrice, you can intend to sacrifice your youth and beauty to go out of the world as soon as you come into it? No one, my dear Isabel, can sacrifice too much or too soon to heaven. Psh. Heaven regards hearts and not faces, and an old woman will be as acceptable a sacrifice as a young one. It is possible you may come to a better understanding and value the world as little as I do. As you say, it is possible when I can enjoy it no longer I may. Nay, I do not care if I promise you when I grow old and ugly I'll come and keep you company. But this I am positive, till the world is weary of me I never shall be weary of the world. What can a woman of sense see in it worth her valuing? Oh, ten thousand pretty things. Equipage, cards, music, plays, balls, flattery, visits, and that prettiest thing of all pretty things, a pretty fellow. I rather wonder what charms a woman of any spirit can fancy in a nunnery, in watching, working, praying, and sometimes, I am afraid, wishing for other company than that of an old fusty friar oh tis a delightful state when every man one sees instead of tempting us to sin is to rebuke us for them 
such sentiments as these would indeed make you very uneasy but believe me child you would soon bring yourself to hate mankind fasting and praying are the best cures in the world for these violent passions on my conscience i should want neither if the continual sight of a set of dirty priests would not bring me to abhor mankind i dare swear nothing could scene two old laroon isabel beatrice good morrow my little wagtail my grasshopper my butterfly odd so you little baggage you look as full of as full of love and sport and wantonness i wish i was a young fellow again oh that i was but five-and-twenty for thy sake where's my boy what has not he been with you has not he serenaded you odds heart i never let his mother sleep for a month before i married her indeed no madam nor for a month afterwards neither the young fellows of this age are nothing mere butterflies to those of ours odds heart i remember the time when i could have taken a hop step and jump over the steeple of notre dame i fancy the sparks of your age had wings sir wings you little baggage no but they had they had limbs like elephants and as strong they were as samson and as swift as why i have myself run down a stag in a fair chase and eaten him afterwards for my dinner but come where is my old neighbour my old friend my old jourdain at his devotions i suppose this is the hour he generally employs in them this hour ay all hours i dare swear he spends more time in them than all the priests in toulon well give him his due he was wicked as long as he could be so and when he could sin no longer why he began to repent that he had sinned at all oh there is nothing so devout as an old whoremaster i fancy then it will be shortly time for you to think of it sir ay madam about some thirty or forty years hence it may odds heart i am but in the prime of my years yet and if it was not for a saucy young rascal who looks me in the face and calls me father might make a very good figure among the bows but though i am not so young in years i am in constitution as any of them and i don't question but to live to see a son and a great-grandson both born on the same day you will excuse this lady mr laroon who is going to retire so much earlier retire then it is with a young fellow i hope into a cloister i assure you a cloister why madam if you have a mind to hang yourself at the year's end would it not be better to spend your time in matrimony than in a nunnery don't let a set of rascally priests put strange notions in your head take my word for it and i am a very honest fellow there are no raptures worth a louse but those in the arms of a brisk young cavalier of all the actions of my youth there are none i reflect on with so much pleasure as having burnt half a dozen nunneries and delivered several hundred virgins out of captivity oh villainy unheard of villainy unheard of till this moment i dare swear out of which number there are at present nine countesses three duchesses and a queen who owe their liberty and their promotion to this arm scene three old laroon 
Young Laroon, Isabel, Beatrice. You are a fine spark, truly, to let your father visit your mistress before you. Sdeath, I believe you are no son of mine. Where have you been, sir? What have you been doing, sir, hey? Sir, I have been at my devotions. At your devotions? Nay, then you are no son of mine, that's certain. Is not this the shrine you are to offer up at, sirrah? Is not here the altar you are to officiate at? Sirrah, you have no blood of mine in you. I believe you are the bastard of some travelling English alderman, and must have come into the world with a custard in your mouth. I hope, madame, you will allow my excuse, though the old gentleman here will not. Old gentleman? Very fine, sirrah. I'll convince you I'm a young gentleman. I'll marry tonight, and make you a brother before you are a father. I'll teach you to thrust him out of the world that thrust you into it. Madam, have no more to say to the ungracious dog. That will be a sure way to quit all obligations between us, for the happiness I propose in this lady is the chief reason why I should thank you for bringing me into the world. What's that you say, sir? Say that again, sir. I was only thanking you, sir, for desiring this lady to take from me all I esteem on earth. Well enough that. I begin to think him my own again. I have made that very speech to half the women in Paris. Scene four. To them, Martin. Peace be with you all, good people. Peace cannot stay long in any place where a priest comes. Daughter, I am ready to receive your confession. Aye, aye, she has a fine parcel of sinful thoughts to answer for, I warrant her. Mr. Laroon, you are too much inclined to slander. I must reprove you for it. My daughter's thoughts are as pure as a saint's. As any saint's in Christendom, within a day of matrimony. Within a day of matrimony, it is too quick. I have not yet had sufficient time to prepare her mind for that solemn sacrament. Prepare her mind for a young fellow. Prepare your mind for a bishopric. Sir, there are ceremonies requisite. I shall be as expeditious as possible, but the church has rules. Sir, you may be as expeditious or as slow as you please, but I will not have my boy disappointed of his happiness one day, for all the rules in Europe. Scene 5. Martin. Isabel. I shall bring this haughtiness to a penance you may not like. Well, my dear daughter, I hope your account is not long. You have not many articles since our last reckoning. I wish you do not think it so, father. First, telling nine lies at the opera the other night to Mr. Laroon. Yesterday talked during the whole mass to a young cavalier. He groans. Nay, if you groan already, I shall make you groan more before I have done. Last night, cheated at cards, scandalized three of my acquaintance, went to bed without saying my prayers, and dreamt of Mr. Laroon. Oh! Tell me the particulars of that dream. Nay, father, that I must be excused. Modesty at confession is as unseasonable as in bed, and your mind should appear as naked to your confessor as your person to your husband. I thought he embraced me with the utmost tenderness. But were you pleased therewith? You know, father, a lie now would be the greatest of sins. I was not displeased, I assure you. But I have often heard you say there is no sin in love. No, in love itself there is not. Love is not malum in se, nor in the excess is there sometimes any, but then it must be rightly placed, must be directed to a proper object. 
the love a daughter bears her confessor is no doubt not only innocent but extremely laudable yes but that that is another sort of love you know you are deceived there is but one sort of love which is justifiable or indeed desirable i hope my love for laroon is that that i know not i wish it may however i have some dispute as yet remaining with me concerning it till that be satisfied it will be improper for you to proceed any farther in the affair all the penance therefore shall i shall enjoin you on this confession is to defer your marriage one week by which time i shall have resolved within myself whether you shall marry him at all not marry him at all surely father you are not in earnest i never jest on these occasions what reason can you have my reasons may not be so ripe for your ears at present but perhaps better things are designed for you a fiddlestick i tell you father better things cannot be designed for me i suppose you have found out some old fellow with twenty livres a year more in his power but i can assure you if i marry not laroon i'll not marry any perhaps you are not designed to marry any let me feel your pulse extremely feverish you are enough to put any one in a fever i was to have been married to-morrow to a pretty fellow and now i must defer my marriage till you have considered whether i shall marry at all or no have you any more sins to confess sins you have put all my sins out of my head i think benedicite crossing himself daughter you shall see me soon again for great things are in agitation at present i leave you to your prayers scene five isabel alone sure never poor maid had more need of prayers but you have left me no great stomach to them great things are in agitation what can he mean it must be so some old liquorish rogue with a title or a larger estate hath a mind to supplant my dear laroon scene six young laroon isabel my isabel my sweet how painfully do i count each tenuous hour till i can call you mine indeed you are like to count many more tedious hours than you imagine huh what do you mean my love i would not have your wishes too impatient that's all but if you will wait a week you shall know whether i intend to marry you or not and is this possible can words like these fall from isabel's sweet lips can she be false inconstant perjured oh do not discharge such a volley of terrible names upon me before you are certain i deserve them doubt only whether i can be obedient to my confessor and guess the rest can he have enjoined you as perjured by heaven it would be sinful to obey him be satisfied if i prevail with myself to obey him in this week's delay i will carry my obedience no farther oh to what happiness have those dear words restored me i am again myself for while the possession of thee is sure though distant there is in that dear hope more transport than any actual enjoyment can afford well adieu and to cram you quite full with hope since you like the food i here promise you that the commands of all the priests in france shall not force me to marry another that is sir i will either marry you or die a maid and i have no violent inclination to the latter on the word of a virgin scene seven young laroon solus whether a violent hatred for my father or an inordinate love for mischief hath set the priests on this affair i know not perhaps it is the former for the old gentleman hath the happiness of being universally hated by every priest in toulon let a man abuse a physician he makes another physician his friend let him rail at a lawyer another will plead his cause gratis if he libel this courtier that courtier receives him in his bosom 
but let him once attack a hornet or a priest the whole nest of hornets and the whole regiment of blackguards are sure to be upon him scene eight old laroon laughing young laroon <laughs> you are merry sir <laughs> merry sir ay sir i am merry sir would you have your father sad you rascal have you a mind to bury him in his youth pardon me sir i'd rather wish to know the happy occasion of your mirth the occasion of my mirth sir is the saddest sight that ever mortal beheld a very odd occasion indeed very odd truly it is the sight of an old honest whoremaster in a fit of despair and a damned rogue of a priest riding him to the devil ay sir but i have seen a more melancholy sight ha what can that be a fine young lady in a fit of love and a priest keeping her from her lover how the explanation of which is that father martin hath put off our match for a week put off your match with isabel even so sir well i never have made a hole in a gown yet i never have tapped a priest but if i don't let out some reverend blood before the sun sets may i never see him rise again i'll carbonate the villain i'll make a ragout for the devil's supper of him let me entreat you sir to do nothing rashly as long as i am safe in the faith of my isabel i tell you sirrah no man is safe in the faith of a mistress no one is secure of a woman till he is in bed with her had there been any security in the faith of a mistress i had been at present married to half the duchesses in france i no more rely on what a woman says out of a church than on what a priest says in it pardon me sir but i should have very little appetite to marry the woman whom i had such an opinion of you had an opinion of what business have you to have any opinion is it not enough that i have an opinion of her that is of her fortune but i suppose you of one of those romantic whining coxcombs that are in love with a woman behind her back sirrah i have had two women lawfully and two thousand unlawfully and never was in love in my life well sir then i am happy we both agree in the same person i like the woman and you her fortune yes you dog and i'll have you secure her as soon as you can for if a greater fortune should be found out in toulon i'll make you marry her so go find out your mistress and stick close to her and i'll go seek the priest whom if i can find i will stick close to with a vengeance scene nine another apartment jordan martin alas father there is one sin sticks by me more than any i have confessed to you it is so enormous a one my shame hath prevented me discovering it i have often concealed my crimes from my confessor that is a damnable sin indeed it seemeth to argue a distrust of the church the greatest of all crimes a sin i fear the church cannot forgive oh say not so father i should have said will not or not without difficulty for the church can do all things that is some comfort again i hope however though you have not confessed them you have not forgotten them for they must be confessed therefore they can be forgiven i hope i shall recollect them they are a black roll i remember i once was the occasion of ruining a woman's reputation by showing a letter from her if you had shown it to the priest it had been no fault alas sir i wrote the letter to myself and thus traduced the innocent 
I afterwards commanded a company of grenadiers at the taking of a town, where I knocked a poor old gentleman in the head for the sake of his money, and ravished his daughter. These are crying sins indeed. At the same time I robbed a Jesuit of two pistols. Oh, damnable! Oh, execrable! Good father, have patience. I once borrowed five hundred livres of an honest citizen in Paris, and repaid him by lying with his wife, and what sits nearest my heart was forced to pay a young cavalier the same sum by suffering him to lie with mine. Oh! And yet, what are these to what I have done since I commenced merchant? What have I not done to get a penny? I insured a ship for a great value, and then cast it away. I broke when I was worth a hundred thousand livres, and went over to London. I settled there, and renounced my religion, and was made a justice of peace. Oh, that seed of heresy and damnation, that whore of Babylon! With the whores of Babylon did I unite. I protected them from justice. Gaming-houses and bawdy-houses did I license, nay, and frequent, too. I never punished any vice but poverty, for, oh, I dread to name it, I once committed a priest to Newgate for picking pockets. Oh, monstrous, horrible, dreadful, I'll hear no more, thou art damned without reprieve. Take pity, father, take pity on a penitent. Pity, the church abhors it, twere mercy to such a wretch to pray him into purgatory. I'll give all my estate to the church, I'll found monasteries, I'll, I'll build abbeys. All will not do, ten thousand masses will not deliver you. Was ever such a miserable wretch? Thou hast sins enough to damn thy whole family. Monstrous impiety to lift up the hand of justice against the church. Oh, speak some comfort to me. Will no penance expiate my crime? It is too grievous for a single penance. Go, settle your estate on the church, and send your daughter to a nunnery. Her prayers will avail more than yours. Heaven hears the young and innocent with pleasure. I will myself say four masses a day for you, and all these, I hope, will purchase your forgiveness. At least your stay in purgatory will be short. My daughter? She is to be married to-morrow, and I shall never prevail on her. You must force her. Your all depends on it. But I have already sworn I will not force her. The church absolves you from that oath, and it were now impiety to keep it. Go, lose not a moment. See her enter with the utmost expedition she may put it out of your power. What a poor miserable wretch am I! Scene 10. Martin Solus. Thou art a miserable wretch indeed, and it is on such miserable wretches depends our power. That superstition which chairs thy bowels feeds ours. This nunnery is a masterpiece. Let me but once shut up my dear Isabel from every other man, and the warmth of her constitution may be my very powerful friend. How far am I got already from the very brink of despair by the despair of this old fool? Superstition... I adore thee, thou handle to the cheated layman's mind, by which in fetters priestcraft leads mankind. End of Act One.